This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. I don't know about you guys, but my favorite coffee from Old Smokes Coffee is the Blazing Apple and the Raging Moose. If there's anything that keeps me going in hunting season, anything that keeps us going here at Non-Typical Nation for all the podcasts, all the media content, um, you know, even our TV show on the Sportsman Channel. It is Old Smokes Coffee. Use promo code NONTYPICAL for 10% off everything Old Smokes Coffee. Well, we survived. We're back for another podcast. We are back, man. It is, uh, what is it right now, late July? Yeah, we're, and, today is uh, the 23rd. Yeah, you just arrived back in civilization a couple days ago. Yeah, I've only been back just over 30 or just over 48 hours now, I guess. Nice, nice. Yeah. Right on. You uh, snuck away for a little while. Snuck away for four days, climbed up some mountains, looked for some sheep, did some hiking. Nice. So yeah, you got your scouting in? Got my scouting in, yeah. I got my I got my, uh, my pre-hunt sort of backpacking legs under me again. Right so. on. Well, I haven't stepped a foot in the bush yet. Yeah, and I was feeling guilty right before I left. I was like, man, I don't know. We're going for four days. It's going to be a long trip. Yeah. Um, I haven't put a backpack on since spring. Just mm-hmm. been so busy. And uh, usually I'm doing, you know, three or four hikes a week just training for sheep season. Yeah. So I felt a little guilty going, a little worried about uh, how I was going to feel. But after the first day, it was just great. Nice. It was awesome. So now now I'm happy I got some legs under me for the hunt coming up next month. Right on, right on. Um, Yeah, I haven't had a chance to get out yet. uh, Actually, we snuck out on the lake yesterday. That was fun. But as per, you know, getting some scouting in, I'm way behind this year. Um, uh, You know, I'll probably get out in the next couple of weeks here just get some cameras out go to the old faithful spots where you know we seem to have deer and moose coming through regularly um but yeah it's uh i'm glad you got out and uh so this is a spot that you were at last year it wasn't necessarily a new area but Uh, you went in some new terrain and whatnot covered yeah so we used the same trailhead as last year and then we just covered um a bunch of new ground basically yeah yeah Right on, so, and Ryan went with you. Ryan went with me. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it went well. Is he coming up for the hunt? He says he is. Yeah, he's gonna plan on, on nice. going on the hunt too. So, right on. Yeah. So you got you two, or is anyone else coming up yet? So far, it's just us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll nice. be. You know, if it's not us, I'll be going solo. I'm still going. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Um, so you didn't see any sheep. So what's your game plan? Are you gonna go a little further? Or are you just are you expecting to see sheep next time or um, um well in that area there's tons and tons of sheep sign like everywhere you go there's um fresh trails fresh tracks fresh you know droppings beds everywhere there's just lots of sheep in the area okay um, but there's also a lot of traffic in the area and that's hikers fishermen just sort of it's a it's a high high traffic backcountry area i guess is what you'd call it so there's lots of sheep i'm not worried about the sheep because it's it's more just going to be about being at the right place the right time and i guess just spending some time on the mountain with your optics that's exactly right because i guess when you're scouting and when you guys are covering ground you aren't spending half a day on the side of a mountain looking for sheep or are you still spending those hours looking for sheep on these trips like the one you just got back from well, the original plan was like I had it all mapped out. I use, uh, you know, I use a couple different programs, Google Earth and and Geopack and and all those different things to to really map out like a route or a route and and some gla- glassing points, some sort of waypoints 
And that just gives you a goal when you go out to do your trip. And then you have, you know, sort of a timeline, keep yourself honest. And so we got up the mountain with a game plan and just like always does something happened where there was five feet of snow on top. And so we really couldn't walk any of the ridge lines because there's a lot of overhanging snow and uh, we weren't really prepared for snow. I mean, we had the clothes and stuff, but we just weren't prepared to be walking on snow. Yeah, no, um, no. quick for the question. Four days. What was your elevation when you had that much snow? Um, I believe we were at, oh God, I think, don't put me on the spot. I'm pretty sure we were at uh, 6,000 feet. Okay, yeah. I my one one sorry I should know this but one of my like I look on my watch but I also look on my inreach and yeah. one's in feet and one's in meters one's in meters yeah and so I always get them mixed up okay um, but I'm pretty sure oh, we're at six thousand feet if you're at six thousand feet that's a couple thousand meters yeah above sea level that's pretty high yeah that's why you but you didn't have snow there last year there was no snow in August at all wow and uh, there was. You know, there's, yeah, there just wasn't any snow where I was. I found, you know, I used, I didn't have to use snow for water or anything when I was up there. There's lots of water up top. Um, but yeah, no snow. And this year there was no water up top because it was all snow. Wow. So we were boiling snow for, you know, two days and that we didn't really plan for that. We didn't have the fuel to be melting snow for water. We were just supposed to be boiling water for food. And so... You know, the, the plan just changed right away. And what we decided to do was go over top, come down, and then just check the valleys from the bottom and see if we could find, you know, ways into other valleys or um, a, a different way out, potentially a different way in when the hunt, when it came to the hunt time. That's considerably tougher, though, is it, is it not checking it from the bottom? It is. It's a lot than, more. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't get your glassing time um, yeah. because you're stuck, especially in the Rockies, you're stuck in those steep valleys yeah, a steep exactly. high high cliff valleys so you can't really see up like i know in a, uh, a few places i was in the yukon you could glass all the mountains around you from the river valley just because it's it's a lot va more vast a lot okay. more wide open yeah but a, especially where we were in the rockies it's just so jagged and steep and there's a ton of trees so once you're in the river you know you might get a face or two to look at but you don't you definitely don't get like a bunch of mountains just yeah. because there's a ton of obstruction in your view. Okay. So, you know, I hadn't been in that area a ton. Um, I was there last year and then the year before we were sort of in a neighboring area. Um, so what I what I decided would be best is just cover the ground on foot, see what we can access, and then that gives us a lot better of uh, a timeline for the hunt. Okay. Like how much ground we can cover, what places we can get to with what amount of time. Yeah. And uh, just have a, a better understanding of how long it takes to get around. Yeah. So you're going into this area knowing that there are sheep in the area. You see sheep sign. So you're going into the area more than anything just to figure out a game plan before your hunting season to figure out what trails you can go on, where you can glass, where you can access, where can, where you can't access basically. Um, and then, so come hunting season, you can go onto these ridges and find these different spots and spend all day glassing. Is that typically what you do? Spend majority of your day just... Oh, when you're hunting, yeah. The, yeah. The only, the only way you're going to get onto something is just by looking all day long, right? Until you yeah. find a band of rams or you find your target ram, right? Yeah. And so in the, the scouting aspect too, I mean... We're, we're doing it on foot. We don't have a string of horses. You know, we're not doing anything extravagant with distance. So, you know, even if I was to get on a band of rams, even if I was to get on, you know, a world record sheep 
for whatever reason, um, there's no telling where that that Ram might be a month from now. Yeah. Right? He might be on the same range, but in the same area, I've also seen sheep cross the big highway, um, you know, down low, low in elevation. We see, we saw sheep tracks all over the, the creeks and the rivers. Oh, okay. We thought, would you know, we thought, oh, they'd, you know, they're going to stay up there. But really, they, they seem to be going just all around. And I think that can be attributed to the traffic that's in there. Yeah. The people traffic, where the sheep just get pushed around all the time. And so... Yeah, I, w- I was more just wanting to gain some confidence in the area mm-hmm. and know, like I said, how long it takes to get from point A to point B um, for when the hunt comes or, you know, we're going to be back there for 10 days instead of four. So we're yeah. going to have a lot of time to, you know, check this area, glass it all, be confident there's not sheep, then potentially move to another area, glass it all. And, uh, you know, hunting, you want to stay up high and on top above the sheep as much as you can. Yeah. So. Hopefully by then there's not five feet of snow up top. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it looked like pretty rough terrain where you guys were. You know, the waterfalls, the snow. Could you even get a horse back there? No, no, definitely not. So it's primarily, like you said, hiking, fishermen, and guys hunting and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we did see, um, you know, we, we so what we did was we climbed over. Uh, we sort of bushwhacked up a peak. We, did the, we didn't really follow a trail. And uh, we climbed up over this mountain where I'd been last year and I'd camped last year. I'd saw a bunch of ewes back there last year also. Um, so I had good confidence in the area. And, and like I said, there was a bunch of snow. So what we decided to do was just go up and over the next saddle and then just follow the ridge line. And then what happened was we actually got cl- got to a point where there's a big cliff. And we kind of had to decide, well, we either go now all the way back up top and sort of just you know, make a new, a totally new game plan, yeah. maybe move areas completely, but then we're wasting, you know, a whole two days sort of transitioning and we don't really have that time. Or we find a way down through this cliff and then hopefully we can get even further down the valley all the way to the creek and then follow the creek out to the bigger river, which we knew had um, some hiking trails and stuff that oh, sort okay. of connected to it. So yeah, the one day we spent probably two hours just walking this this cliff face back and forth, uh, just looking for you know the best spot to sort of descend. And uh, last year when I was hunting, I actually saw a black bear crawl down the cliff at some point, and he was facing away from me obviously, so I couldn't see the cliff where he went down, but yeah. I watched him go o- over, so I knew there's some way down, yeah. right? And so yeah, we found our way down. We sort of had to butt scoot and slide. And then, uh, yeah, we just worked our way down. We had to cross a couple waterfalls. Luckily, the water was was low. It wasn't yeah. super high and rushing because um, it probably would have been impossible at that point. But we had a really nice weather, hot. It wasn't rainy, so the rocks weren't slippery Thank or anything. God, man. Yeah, if it was rain, there was a few times when I, I, I looked around. And I said, man, if it was raining yeah. right now, we'd be like in on ice, basically. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it was, you know, just beautiful country. Never, ever see, you know. I mean, there's just no other place like the Rockies. Yeah, so. yeah. No, that's it's awesome. Yeah, you got that right. And 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 it's really cool. I just love the backcountry, but it's always really cool to climb up and over uh, the peak of a mountain. And, you know, there's just a big mound of snow there. And then there's water draining down. Yeah. And it's, it, it goes from, you know, a garden hose to when you get to the bottom and it's just a huge waterfall. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, it's just super cool. So you guys were, but you guys were, boy, you had to boil snow at one point to get water. Yeah, the first night and uh, part of the hot, second. You get lower or what was? Yeah, we just, you know, we, we gained all the elevation the first day with yeah. all our weight. Our, you know, we're carrying camp every day and everything. So, um, you know, you go up and over and we didn't pack water because we followed a creek most of the way up. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we got to the point where the creek, the creek just turned to snow. Yeah. So we sort of had to, you know, we just had to melt snow for dinner and, and water for the first night and first half of the of the second day before we actually got down to a point where we could, like, fill our bottles. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, the whole time we're glassing and, and, and looking as much as we can, but um, mm. the main the main goal after the first day, basically, was to just make sure we can get home. Yeah. And so we did a lot of, uh, just a lot of walking to make sure we... You know, we we made it to the truck in the four days that we had. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. Well, yeah, luckily you guys did have nice weather. It was awesome. Um, yeah. So what's in your pack when you do these scouting trips? Like, what are you prepared for? So I always bring uh, extra days food, one extra day. So if I'm going for four days, I'll have one extra, uh, you know, a couple extra bars and then one extra mountain house meal. Or... So when you come... When you arrive back at the truck, do you have that extra food, or is it, or is it usually gone? At no, I, I I always you have always extra food. Do, I'm yeah. um I'm probably like most people that carry too much food. Okay. Um, I've really been trying to cut down. Like every year, I'm always like, man, I'm never. the The problem with backpacking is when you go to plan your food, you have all these great ideas. Oh, well, this is gonna be delicious. Oh, this is an awesome idea. I'm gonna bring yeah. this stuff. Oh, this is this will be great. Oh, this is full of protein and carbs. Oh, this is, you know, trail mix. Yeah. And then pretty soon you got 40 pounds of food. Yeah. And then you get up on the mountain and you can barely choke down one granola bar a yeah. day because you're just, you know, you're just working so hard that your your mountain house is a is a big meal on itself, right? So yeah. I always just have a really hard time bringing or not, you know, just pushing that stuff to the side and not bringing it. I'm the same way, man. Like when it comes to even just uh, like a couple day elk hunt or something, you're, I fill my backpack with a ton of shit and I usually don't eat. You're too busy I'll, to I'll eat. I'll eat the trail mix. That's super easy. But when it comes to other stuff, it usually just gets buried into the bottom of the pack. And, and that's what happens. So yeah, this year, um, you know, every year I get a little bit better. Every year I get a little bit tuned up. So this year, I, you know, I just limited myself like, okay, I'm going to, worst comes to worst, I'll be a little bit hungry. Yeah. And so I just brought, you know, the bare minimum for food, a couple granola bars every day, a couple pieces of uh, like single package cheese, and then, you know, a little thing of salami and my, my dinners. And then, um, you know, sleeping bag, tent. Uh, with Ryan, we were, we were lucky enough we could just share a, a two-person tent, so it was good. Shared the weight there. And then, like I said, I didn't have to haul any water because there's plenty of water up there. And then, uh, yeah, one, you know, one extra one extra uh hoodie or jacket and a raincoat and that's about and it so on these trips you don't bring a gun or anything like that any sort of no we brought stuff. brought bear spray, bear spray that's about yeah. it yeah no no i just i'm confident enough i don't need to pack that extra 10 pounds of metal yeah. right and, and in the mountains um you know everybody likes to have a gun on their pack even when we're bow hunting you know yeah. we both do the same thing once in a while but if it came down to it you'd never you'd never get that gun in time to to use it yeah so especially in your mountain pack when it's strapped to the back and you can't like swing it off your shoulder there's just no way so it's just to me it's just not worth the hassle of you know like maybe potentially damaging a gun or or just packing that 10 pounds yeah no that's fair 
That's fair. So uh, come hunting season, does your pack, how different does the pack look, pack setup? Is it pretty much the same other than your weapon? The, yeah, the gear is pretty much the same. Your hunting gear. Um, you know, I didn't bring any, of course, I didn't bring any uh, trophy care stuff. You know, I still pack my Havilon because it's a nice little knife. Yeah. It's great for everything. And, uh, you know, I didn't have my kill kit, so I didn't have any, you know, any um, game bags or, or my tags or, you know, all the little things that I carry in my kill kit. Um, I always take my optics, you know, binoculars, spotting scope. Um, that's probably the only difference is going to be like the weapon and my yeah. kill kit. Otherwise, it's it's all the same, you know, it's mostly just survival and being yeah, the sure. little, the few comfortable things you like to have. Well, and you're out for 10 days, right? So you got a bit more food there as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad everything went well. I, uh, I thought I was going blind a few days ago. Yeah. When I got back, <laughs> you said you were having some eye problems. Well, I put my contacts in my eyes before I came here and I was worried I might have issues. I was just cleaning the boat out and some dust or something flew into my eye. And I thought, you know, your eye just regularly flushes it out. And no, it didn't go away. An hour, two, three, four hours passed. We had like a family photo thing that night. And my eyes starting to get redder and redder. And uh, I slept on it next morning. Still just felt freaking horrible. I could barely open it up in the morning. So I'm like, okay, I might have an eye infection from this, right? So I put eye drops in it and whatnot. And I looked at it closely and it looked like there's a scratch right on my eyeball. And I thought, oh, fuck, you know. If it's not your hearing, it's the eyesight or your smelling or whatever, but you lose lose those three or four, your taste even. You know, you're you're fucking pooched. You're getting old. You're getting old. And and that's and I was I was nervous. I was scared. I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. Cause what was happening is everything out of that left eye was blurry. And it went on for about two or three days. And then today was the first day. You know, I was a little sore this morning. Um, but first day, it seems to be all right. So uh, knock on wood, we're all good. That's not your shooting eye anyway. No, that's not my shooting eye, but you need both of them, man. You do need both. <laughs> and it's like, you know, um, I don't know how many times I, when I was younger, shooting rifles without ear protection, and your ears ringing for like two fucking days. And um, I had one point about eight or nine years ago, me and Stefan were shooting the rifles and we didn't have ear protection on. And it was like two days my ear was ringing and that is not good. And um, they said I might have tissue damage in my ear is what the pharmacist said. Yep. And uh, But yeah, you know, so you got to take care of yourself, like your ears and your eyes. And it's uh, it's scary when something like that happens. Yeah. Like very fucking oh, yeah. scary. Um, but yeah, all good now. You know, it uh, put the contacts in. It didn't irritate the eyes too bad, so we're all right. That's the price you pay for going fishing. Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. We snuck out last night and just absolutely slayed them. That's good, right Went on. to the same spot we went on in the last podcast that we released um we just couldn't keep the fish off again i think we caught uh about 30 fish in an hour basically just non-stop non-stop so yeah i was actually i was telling you earlier i was doing some research on lesser slave lake for one of our fishing episodes we're putting out on sportsman and they did a survey back in 2005 so it might be a little bit outdated um but i don't think the numbers are going to change too much they might even be more than they were in 2005 so in 2005 the lake had got i think it was 117,000 anglers 
from end of May till the end of August. And 800,000 walleye were caught in those months. So that's in June, July, August. That's in three and a half months, three yeah, months basically. Just the summertime. 800,000 walleye. That is just unreal. Yep. Um, so you got to think. Well, it's over a million pounds of fish. Yeah, that's insane. And so that's just walleye. You think northern pike and everything else. There's a million fish caught in this lake each summer. Yep. And, you know, if you think annually throughout the whole year, there's got to be like 1.2, 1.3 million fish caught. I would have never thought. Does that come as a surprise to you or does um, that sort of seem... seem? Oh, I wouldn't even... Before I, you know, before I read that article, I wouldn't even have been able to I think fathom I, a guess of I how many I think on that fish. other podcast, the one that we did on the boat, the one right before this, I think we had talked about numbers a little bit. Like I was just saying, I... I I'm guessing there's a hundred thousand fish caught on this lake each year or something like that. Little did you know you're at like what ten percent? Yeah, it's a million freaking fish, man. Yeah, that is unreal. Yeah, but you know we are the biggest, uh, biggest whole body of water in Alberta, right? So. Yeah, so it is the largest vehicle accessible lake in yeah, Alberta. There you go. Yeah, um, the lake itself. I'm pretty sure is one thousand and seventeen square kilometers. I did all this research for our uh, our TV show there. It's about 90-some kilometers long. 110 kilometers, the okay. longest point, and the widest point is 16 kilometers. I'm pretty sure it's right around there within a kilometer. What's the skinniest point? Oh, fuck. I don't know. The Narrows. I'm not sure. Well, that's, yeah. The Narrows. Less yeah, I don't than, know. You think less than a kilometer wide, you think? Um, no, I think it'd be more than a kilometer wide. And so in the lake, in the early 1900s, there were lake trout documented in the lake from the 1900s to about 1920. And um, I talked to Dave about it the other day when we went on the lake. I was telling him about this. And he was saying that he's talked to some old timers and they said, yes, there were lake trout in this lake. Well, I've heard that. A long time ago, right? Yeah. So these guys are 80 years old. When they were kids, they had mink farms and yep. Uh, yep. and they would net the lake trout. And so the thing with when you're netting fish, you get the big ones, right? And lake trout, they get huge. So you would wipe out the all the spawners, basically, um, and all the, the big females. And, uh, you know, it. You, you think you do that for 30 years, 40 years, and you have 15 mink farms on the farm, they're going to wipe that right out. Yeah, this whole the whole south shore of the lake was, uh, well, all, all along the south shore of the lake was mink farms. Yeah. And so in the 80s, 70s and 80s, Lesser Slave Lake, um, the whitefish was the was the most caught fish. So like 80% of the fish caught were whitefish. Really? Walleye were around 15%, and then your pike were like 4 or 5%. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so they did say there is uh, lake whitefish, and there's also mountain whitefish. But they're rare. But there are mountain whitefish in Lesser Slave Lake. And so this was... Um, I'm pretty sure it was like a, a government Alberta history of Lesser Slave Lake or something I found. And uh, yeah, it's super interesting, man. Super interesting. You know, it's a giant lake and um, there's a lot of history on this lake. And, uh, you know, it's been documented for several years because it is so big. So it's neat to read those things where now um, 95% of the fish you catch are going to be walleye. Yeah. Right. I've you know, I would say if you catch 20 walleye, which me and you did that night, we caught 40 walleye, there was one pike. 
That's right. Yeah. You know, and you'll hit you'll hit different spots on the lake where you'll catch. Well, you can more go pike. and slay pike all day if you want. Yeah, yeah, that's the nice thing about our lake. Did you see any numbers of perch? No, I didn't see any perch numbers. Because that's always been something that's um, that's been in- interesting to me because my dad used to catch perch. He used to say all, all the time when we were kids, we'd go catch perch. Yeah, no, I didn't see anything about perch. I've caught the odd one on the lake before. Like, I haven't targeted them. Um, but I know guys who they just know where the perch hot spots mm-hmm. are and they just go there and, and they'll catch them. Yeah, I know a few. I, I, I'm aware of a few spots that I think guys catch them fairly often. Yeah. But I've never, I've never really pursued them. Yeah. And I've... I mean, I've fished this lake for as long as I could hold a rod. So let's say 20 years. Yeah. And I've never caught a perch. No. In this lake. No. You know, yeah. So perch, walleye, northern pike. um, There's grayling in certain parts. um, And, uh, you know, your lake whitefish, mountain whitefish, gold eye. There's freaking everything but trout pretty much. So there is grayling uh, in the lake too? That's what they said. I mean, I I, I would imagine because there's... Sort of year... There's grayling all along in the small creeks all along. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think you'd find them in the depths, but you'll find them. They'd probably be on the on the on the creek. Yeah. Hmm. Where the tree, creeks come in and out and whatnot. So, um, and actually the, so the the waters that flow out of the lake and into the lake, all those rivers and creeks, they're something like ten times larger than the lake itself. The tributaries. The tributaries. The total tributary that flow in pretty sure that flow into the lake the tributaries themselves the rivers are 10 the total water amount is 10 times larger in the lake itself wow yeah yeah it's unreal and wow. i looked at a map all the lakes all around and or the rivers that flow into it and it's it's something else well I, just uh, along my road there where i live yeah. I, you have to cross four bridges yeah where you get to my house yeah everywhere man north south east west all over the place yeah. they're all flowing into lesser slave lake yeah well, and so. it's just, it's a huge valley, so every bit of water is coming down yeah. to the lake. So, yeah, we filmed the ice fishing episode. That, I believe, is episode nine. Pretty sure it's episode nine that's going to air on Sportsman Channel. That was a ton of fun. We went out for a day. I think it was it was a little chilly in the morning. It was minus 20 or so. It was cold. Um, you and Charlie took the snowmobile and the quad out. I uh, filmed you guys coming out. I had met you out there. And, uh, and we had a lot of fun. We got a few nice walleye few um a big few burbot big burbot and uh we lost two yeah we and did. we got one yeah we were a, bit, a little bit amateurs there we were rusty the exact same way yeah exact i've been working on that episode for quite a while and um and it's funny because i i hook onto mine and you see the hook set in the underwater camera and everything and you ask me do you want me to grab it i'm like yeah if you can get a good handle on it grab it and it comes up and the burbot is wrapped in the wire from the underwater camera. Yeah. And then so you're just grabbing under its gills. You see your finger and the hook pops out. And then he just slithers like a snake and his head straight down. And we're like, no, and he's gone. (laughs) And then the camera goes to me and then I do my thing and whatnot. And then um, just moments later, you hook on. You're like, here we go. I got one. I'm going to redeem myself. And Charlie's like, you want me to grab it? You're like, yeah, redeem ourselves here, Charlie. (laughs) Charlie reaches down, spits out the hook. And we're like, what the hell just happened? And as a second one in the row, that spit the hook out right at the, the top of the hole. And then you landed uh, just a dandy on that yeah. dead stick there. Yeah. And uh, and that sort of wrapped everything up. But that was a fun day. 
Yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day of fishing. Dude, you did quite a bit of ice fishing this year. Hey, you got out. I did a, dozen a few. Times I did a so. fair bit. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a lot last year. Yeah, but we didn't do. We didn't catch anything last year. It was okay. tough fishing last year. So I would kind of went. In, I remember going into that day, thinking like being really excited that Charlie was taking us yeah. because because he had been having all kinds of luck, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, when we got there, and, and just to see that camera at work too—that was neat. That underwater camera. I've uh, I've always wondered about them, and, and but to actually sit in front of one all day, it just it just made the day just fly by. It was so awesome watching those fish. Yeah, would you buy one? Oh, absolutely. You're gonna absolutely. get one. Absolutely, I'm gonna definitely get one. Yeah. Nice. Um, I wonder how the ice fishing is where we were fishing on the boat on the north side of the lake. Have you tried? Never have. Have no. you heard of anybody ice fishing there? Uh, no. It's uh the ice is pretty sketchy on that side. Oh, okay. Late in the year because it gets a lot of the gets a lot of the wind and everything, right? And it sort of builds up funny over there. I see. And there's lots of ridges and stuff. Like I know when you come on the on the the highway that sort of you know when you're going north, you, the highway sort of almost touches the lake and yeah. you can see right across. The ice is really like jagged and rough there, so I don't know if it would be. So that's safe. the campsite. Yeah. So I'm sure there's people that go straight from their camp. Yeah, I would imagine people have tried. Yeah, interesting. I wonder how the fishing is there because it is just I cannot get over how good the fishing is. Oh, it was spot. awesome there. Yeah. Um, and but so, the, but later in the year, the fish all do move west. They move east. Right? No, or uh, yeah, later in the or early in the sorry, late in the fall, they move west. Oh, okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. To spawn over the winter. Yeah. So, or is it early in the winter they move? I don't even know. No, so they they will spawn in the east. So in the wintertime, they move east, from what I understand. Okay. In the wintertime, they move east, and then they come west. To the Slave west. Lake end. No, 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 no. You no, got it no, mixed no. up, They right? move from east to west. Yes. They yeah. spawn in the west, and then they come back to the east. That's what I'm told. Um, but I, Yeah, that's sort of what I was understanding, too. Is they, that's they, a long But I don't way. know when. They, they, I don't yeah. know what time of year they actually... Because I know early in the springtime, you know, you always hear people say, oh, the fish aren't here yet. The fish aren't here yet. You like you're fishing too early. It's, it's, it's like, May. Hey, the fish aren't here guys, yet. It's May nineteenth. Yeah. The fish are arriving tomorrow. Yeah. Let's get the boats out. Yeah. And, and guys are time. like that. Uh, yeah. I know. Absolutely. But and, it's it's like the deer rut too. Yeah. No, it's October seventh. The deer aren't yeah, running to the fourteenth this yeah. year, guys. Yeah. It's too warm out still. It's too early. <laughs> yeah. Well, the elk aren't running till September thirteenth today. Yeah. Or this this year. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I find it hard to believe that a fish is going to travel from basically 110 know, kilometers. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 110 <laughs> fucking kilometers <laughs> when, yeah, but who knows, right? I'm not a biologist. We got to get a biologist in here or someone who knows. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely like, we have the, we have the slave river, which holds a lot of fish, right? Yeah. There, there's resident fish. So they'd there. go up there's going to there. be resident fish sort of everywhere in the lake but yeah. i think i think the idea is that the mass sort of leaves and then the mass comes back interesting right? yeah, so, yeah but yeah. i don't know i have no idea yeah um so we filmed the ice fishing episode and we're gonna try and film a summer fishing episode at yeah. this hot spot here yeah that'll be a lot of fun well even if not that hot that hot spot i got a few hot spots we don't need to worry about catching fish well we got a that's a good spot that's though. a good you spot. got a better spot than that no not, not necessarily better depending on the day though okay right? yeah 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 well what we'll do so this will be the game plan charlie's coming with us charlie will hop in your boat i'll go in mine i'll film and uh, you guys will film as well do the self-filming thing 
uh, you know, we'll get a drone out there to catch you guys going out and, uh, We'll get some real cool shots, yep. but it's important. I think what we got to do is make sure we have a nice calm day because mm-hmm. um, filming when that boat's rocking back and forth, I think it'll be a well, little definitely tricky. can't be rough, but a little bit of walleye chop chop will, uh, it'll help the fishing. Yeah. Um, well, when me and you were out, it was probably around a five, 10 kilometer yeah, it wind. Perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. And that's how it was last night yeah. when we were out there, when we were heading out. Um, so last night we had myself jackson who's five amy and then rhett who's a year and a half so he's never been on the boat and so it's about a 20 minute ride or 15 minute ride to this spot um and it was about a 15 kilometer wind which isn't huge white caps but there's little white caps and uh and it took us like 25 minutes because i was just going slow right and it was it was tough for the baby but we made it over there and as soon as we got there it's like the wind just calmed right down Mm -hmm. and then it got to that about 5k wind so just a little bit of chop um but yeah i'm looking forward to getting charlie out there and and you guys and we can film a really good episode so um and it's going to be perfect too because we'll toss an anchor and just jig and uh yeah it'll be awesome and that's what's so cool about the show, right? Is we aren't necessarily just focusing on hunting. We're, we've got the trapping episode. We're going to do the ice fishing one, um, you know, the summer fishing, and, and basically just the lifestyle, the outdoor lifestyle, yep. the non typical lifestyle. That's right. So, All the fun things we try and do, keep yeah. ourselves busy with. Yeah, you betcha. So, um, so, yeah, I'm pumped up for that. Have you, are you going on the boat anytime soon or? Anything else um, oh, I would like to absolutely. You know, I've just been. I just got back a couple of days ago, yep. so I got some things I got to take care of. Oh at yeah, home. you got the you got your uh, Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, I got a bit of a zoo <laughs> run going on in there. Yeah, so I've got. Uh, you know, I was breaking horses last night or working with them. And, oh yeah. Uh, and we you know we got chickens to take care of. And... Yeah, and those eggs. You gave me some eggs. Yeah. We uh, cracked them and uh, fried up some walleye. So I use it for my. Uh, I, so what I do, I actually explained it in the last episode on the boat. So I don't know how well that went over, but uh, we caught some walleye last night, as I mentioned, and filleted them last night, cooked them up today. And uh, again, guys, if you haven't heard this recipe or if I didn't make sense on the last one, you're going to want to take note because it's absolutely freaking phenomenal um i cooked those gold eye with the same recipe and um guys say gold eye tastes muddy and gross and nasty and and these just turned out phenomenal so super simple you know potato flakes like artificial fake potatoes yeah fake mashed potatoes you box buy them potato. in a box yep. yep um what i do is i crack two eggs so i had your eggs there and they just worked out perfect those are the first Real two eggs dark yellow yolks um really good so i cracked the eggs took about a tablespoon or a tablespoon of mustard sprayed in with that egg and uh, whisk that up so it's all you know whatever beaten or whatever you want to call it and then you um get your potato flakes put them on a put them on a plate you're gonna dip your fillets in the egg mixture take them out of the egg mixture into the potato flakes coat them in potato flakes and just fry them in oil and they come out so, so nice it's and just crispy. mustard and eggs yeah eh? so yeah you're gonna fry them in oil you want you know you want a little bit of oil i'd say about an eighth of an inch just covered right over top there and um just potato flakes man it's so good and wow. we've got a, a lemon pepper seasoning with non-typical nation um that i sprinkle on that gives a lemon pepper flavor and fuck it's phenomenal man phenomenal i gotta get some of those seasonings from you yeah so august geez i should know this but i'm pretty sure august 7th they're all gonna be released online 
Um, but they're all limited. So we only got, I think, 25 or so of each. So they're going to be a limited time sale. Once they're gone, they may be gone for good. What we might do is you might see the two or three or four that people like the best and continue to get those in. Um, but we're unsure right now. So right now, I think, geez, I should know this. Like I said, I'm pretty sure we have six or seven blends. And uh, there's a couple dry rubs in there. There's a few multi-purpose seasonings. There's a lemon pepper seasoning. There's like a taco seasoning. And it's all made for wild game meats. So they've got a, a little bit of a stronger flavor to them. Um, and uh, yeah, they're all just phenomenal. So That's awesome. uh, yeah, they're great. Um, so some of the recipes we actually put up on the webpage. Some of the guys have been using the seasonings for the recipes. Um, but August 7th, guys. Um, you got to try out these seasonings. They're going to be super cheap and affordable. They'll be like 10 bucks a jar or something like that. And, um, and yeah, August 7th, they'll be there for a limited time. And then we'll see, you know, get the feedback from different people, see what they think. And we'll probably, uh, regularly stock. There's an alarm going off in the building beside us. Yeah. I thought I could hear something there a second ago. Oh, there's someone's in there. So it's going to shut off. But anyways, there's, um, uh what was i saying seasonings seasonings yeah where was i right, at with that the alarm thing? just stopped the alarm just <laughs> threw me right fucking off but anyways um, guys yeah on august 7th i'm pretty sure that's the date the seasonings are going to be available online um grab a few of them let us know your thoughts and then we'll regularly stock three or four of them and um yeah so i'll get you some try it out let me know your thoughts and uh and, and they're great like the the lemon pepper is great on potatoes too and stuff like that so um but yeah that that recipe for fish you know we did we did it with northern pike and a lot of people say northern pike aren't good but it's northern pike are good eating fish um with that being said they're a lot better in the winter than they're in the summertime yeah that's I that's find. Uh, that has to do with the cold water right? yeah exactly yeah. and when that meat that we that meat gets warm uh, you know those pike are in warmer warmer water they yeah. get rubbery yeah and then they do get some of them they can get that muddy flavor yeah exactly and i have experienced that in other lakes but our lake um you know we don't target pike um but our lake stays so much colder because it's such a big body of water it does that anytime i have taken pike out of the lake which i will if it's if it's a keeper if it's over 60 you know 65 centimeters i'll keep it yeah and uh you know then it's a then it's a decent enough pike where you, you know once you get the wide bones out you still have a good fillet yeah and uh yeah they're phenomenal well in the winter time we always keep the pike because oh, absolutely. they are so good and, 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 and the fishing's a little bit skinnier in the winter time yeah you know what and we at one point we were eating so much pike meat that we caught a walleye we cooked it up and, and i thought at that point the pike was better in the walleye just because yeah. we had so much of it it was through the ice. It was just damn good. We were accustomed to that taste. And uh, walleye has a unique taste, and walleye is absolutely delicious. Um, but nice thing with walleye is it's sort of good all year round, yeah. where pike, you know, um, isn't quite as good in the summertime. <clears throat> but So, um, so do you uh, keep your burbot or your ling and eat them up? Uh, yeah, so I kept the burbot that we caught this winter. We caught quite a few of them, and I never thought it was that great. You don't like it? I didn't mind it. Mm -hmm. If I if I kill something or whatever, catch something or shoot something, I'm gonna eat it, and and it's gonna taste better to me than what it would to anybody <laughs> else because I killed that yeah. animal and and you're proud to eat that. Yep. So we caught these great big burbot and I filleted them and I got nice good sized fillets off of them. 
Um, but I was a little disappointed. It, I, you know, they weren't what I was. So how did you expecting. cook them though? Exact same way. Oh, so you're that is the only you're way. You're a one man fish. show. I'm a one man show. Oh, I'm, I see. I'm a gatherer. That might have been your mistake. Not necessarily though, a cook with the burbot. Okay, what do you do? Um, I cook them. I mean, every way. But they call them. What do they call them? Poor man's Poor lobster. Poor man's lobster. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get like if you you don't you don't uh, f- necessarily fill it a a, a burbot. Oh, okay. Right. You and that's skin, what I did. Did you skin it? Or no, did I, you, I you like, it. you feel, okay. Yeah. So what I would do is what, what, what a lot of people do or what I suggest yeah, skin, you do. It's skin. So you peel it off. You peel it off. Yeah. So I, a lot of times if I got like on my tailgate, I have a big piece of plywood. Um, so I just nail the head of the burbot to the, to the plywood. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just do a ring around its neck with the knife. Okay. And totally detach, like cut around the head so that the skins, and then you just grab like good grippy pliers. Yeah. Twist them up a couple times and pull that skin pull all that, the yeah. way off. Right, and then you can take the fins. If you grab the fins, the the back fins and the bottom fins, grab them from the very end at the towards the tail, and pull them upwards, and they all come out like a zipper. Yeah. And then all the bones come out. And then if you start right right behind that uh, that gill flap, there's a big like on a good burbot, there's a big chunk of meat like as big as a golf ball, if not bigger. Okay. Yeah. Like around, like it almost looks like a back strap. Hmm. And then the meat goes all the way right down to the very end of the tail fin. And yeah, usually what I do is I cut them because it's round like that. I cut them into little steaks and then I just fry them like that with some seasoning. And hmm. uh, yeah, no, I just, I love it. Or what we, what we started doing last year is baking them. Like uh, if you were to buy like basa or yeah. uh, something from the store and you bake them in like a glass tin with some, you know, whatever you put in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like in a glass, whatever glassware. Yeah. So yeah, we just did that with some seasoning and stuff with those big fillets. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love it. loved it. But I don't, I don't typically like fry it. Like I do like walleye. Like a lot of times with walleye, I put a couple spices or some, uh, just some normal like fish seasoning, whatever I can buy at the store. Yeah. And then just like aggressively fry it in, like really hot oil. Um, but with the burbot, I just, I don't know. I, it's more like I cook it than, than I actually just yeah. like fry it up real quick and eat it. Interesting. But I, I I really like the burbot. I love the burbot. That's all we were catching uh, when we were living, you know, living on the south side of the lake there a couple of years ago. That's all we would catch was burbot. And you get a lot of meat from a burbot too. Yeah, and and they're almost always a decent size. You know, they're almost always three feet long. Yeah. And so you get, like I said, you get a almost the size of like the size of this mic. Yeah. Like as big around, it's almost like a backstrap. Yeah. Well, and when because we got two good sized burbot. And so I filleted them, and I got some like I got a lot of yeah, you meat get a from good that. chunk yeah. of meat. Um, you know, I we I ate it all and everything, and um, and I'll I'll keep them again because I want to try try that method there. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, I've said it before. I'm just not a good fucking cook. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm good at a lot of things, but that's one thing I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. My, I've always just experimented. I've never had a problem I'm kidding, cooking. I'm not, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm great at a lot of things. There so. you go. <laughs> no, good man, at a lot of things. Is, expert I, don't, I don't know. Like, I uh, I know how to do a, a handful of things when it comes to cooking, and I just mm-hmm. I stick, you stick to that. To them. Yeah. Well, that's I'm safe, not though. as experimental as that's, I used to be. Playing it safe, though. Right? Well, that's it. I think you get that way with kids too, right? Because kids, they don't like to experiment, and when you try new things with them, the fucking kids end up don't eating, don't eat that yeah, supper, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. 
I think over the last few years, we just sort of stuck to like the basic things. You guys got a menu. Yeah. Pick from the like menu. We've got like eight items and yeah, <laughs> we yeah. just cycle yeah. through them. <laughs> yeah, I can see but, that. But yeah, we had that walleye tonight, man, and it was just freaking phenomenal. And, and we are so spoiled that we get, we can, we're literally like, we can walk down the gravel road and we're at the lake catching yeah, and we, walleye. Yeah, we never have. Yet. We never have. <laughs> but yeah. But we can. We're a three minute walk right here from the studio to the river. Such good eating. Yeah. Such good eating. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, we're so lucky, man. And, uh, but, but I want to try that with the bourbon. And I even want to start experimenting a little bit more with the walleye because, um, you know, that method that for, for breading those fish is just... Well, I'm going to have to try that. You got to try it. Yeah. Um, especially if you have someone who, who isn't a huge fish fan, um, you know, there's... Uh, yeah, you cannot go wrong with this. Cannot go wrong at all. Because I've had guys who came over to the house um, who are like, no, we don't eat pike. I'm not a big fan of pike. And we're like, okay, well, uh, try this. And, and you know, you bread it up, put a little bit of seasoning on. It's got a nice crisp breading. And uh, yeah, it's down. They can't tell the difference. Yeah. And I did that with the gold eye. And I was looking up gold eye recipes. A lot of guys were saying smoke them. But uh, I've got a smoker. I don't use it often. And so I thought, you know what? I don't want to smoke them. I don't have the time. It's a lot it's of work. Pain to in smoke the butt, them, right? Yeah. So, so I'm like, I'm just going to do it the same way as I normally do. And I was reading up on uh, forums and stuff. And one guy said, the best thing to do, this is what you got to do. If, if you catch a gold eye, you fillet it, get your fillets off. You take a scoop of water out of the river, fill it up in the pot, boil the river water, take your boot, put it in the water, okay? Boil that, take your boot out, then put the fish in, throw the fish away, eat the boot because it's going to taste better than the gold eye. <laughs> and so I was a little discouraged when I read that, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to batter it like I always do, put the same seasoning on I always do because they're smaller fish, thinner fillets. Yep. So you got a lot of breading on them, right? Not a whole lot of meat. Um but I came here, I gave some to Dave, and he just loved it. He's like, well, what the hell is this? I said, that's like gold eye, right? And he couldn't believe it. And, and the kids even ate it because there's more breading than meat almost, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit of a trick there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's uh, you can't go wrong with that, man. If you got a special seasoning you like, you put it on top, and that's where you're going to get a lot of your flavor from. So what's your go-to grouse recipe? Uh, grouse. So again, man, like... We don't venture too far off the fucking beaten path here, my friend. So what we do usually is just we are when it comes to grouse and even red meat, like our, our red meat, wild game meat, we cook the exact same as we do beef. No okay. different. Yeah. Our grouse, we do the exact same as chicken. So okay. we're going to do chicken fajitas or we're going to do yeah, breaded yeah. chicken yeah. balls or we're going to do gross breasts with uh, marinara sauce and cheese or something like that right so as per a go-to i don't really have a go-to we don't shoot a whole lot of grouse each year i wish i shot more mm -hmm. um usually when i get into a ton of grouse i've got my boar my rifle and i'm hunting elk or deer yeah, yeah. or moose yeah. and i don't bother with them um, but every year we do get a handful. Like when I'm going out with the kids, um, Amy, if we're hunting deer, she'll have a rifle and I'll bring the 410 or something. So if we see a grouse, we can take a few home with us. Um, and if we do, you know, it's uh, okay, guys, we're doing fajitas tomorrow or we're just going to bread them with shake and bake. And, and that's that. I don't yeah. really have a go-to specifically mm -hmm. for grouse. But it's good um, to use, it's good to use those, uh, you know, especially with kids or people that don't really enjoy <clears throat> wild game to use like those home style cooking recipes like normal stuff yeah 
and then just implement the wild game into it. Exactly. And we talked about this, uh, I think, on the like one of the first podcasts with your brother. Okay. About uh, just taking, you know, even if it's bear meat. Yeah. And making tacos. Yeah. Or taking deer meat and making lasagna with it. Yeah. Instead of like trying to, instead of trying to like force feed somebody, you know, a big old fat gamey chunk of meat. Yeah. Especially if you're not re- really well versed in cooking it or, you know, there might be some flavor issues which could come anywhere from field to table um, based on how you take care of your meat, right? Yeah. So it is it is good, I think, to use. And, and we do the same thing. You have chicken, gross fajitas or gross pot pie yeah. or, you know, all that stuff. And, and it's the same with, uh, with the deer. Like tonight we had just a, a bear pot roast. And it nice. was awesome, right? And then, uh, you know, I like my steaks. I like the flavor of wild meat, so yeah. I'll, I'll eat it, you know, with just a little bit of salt and pepper and the flavor of the meat. But at the same time, then we go and do the, you know, we go make spaghetti sauce with it or, uh, you know, just, just use a home-style method uh, yeah, and, I, and implement the wild game meat into it. Yeah, and you know what? That's just, it's not, it's not really an option anymore. Like, that's just what we do. We eat wild game meat. We yeah, don't. and I, I won't buy red meat. Yeah. So if I want a lasagna, it's going to be made with deer, bear, elk, moose, yeah, whatever. So we had a barbecue at our house, geez, I think a couple of weeks ago. We had some family over. And they said, you know what? Go pick up some steaks. Go, let's, I'm going to order some sirloin steaks from the butcher, and I'm going to get you to pick them up. So I'm like, okay, I'll go pick them up. I grab them. And so there's two steaks in each package. We have four packages, a total of eight steaks. And each one was priced between $27 and $32. A steak. Two steaks. Oh, two steaks. Okay. I shit myself. <laughs> I walked up to the register because I didn't look at it when the butcher passed it to me. Yeah. And I looked at these and I was tempted to go walk them right back. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, it's just, is this just because of the coronavirus yeah. or is this yeah. normal? Yeah. And I get home and the mother-in-law's there. I'm like, do you see how much I spent on these fucking steaks? Like, this is $90 for, or no, it was couple like a hundred. Yeah, a couple chunks Over a hundred dollars for like eight steaks. And they're like, no, that's, you know, you're, if you go get a triple A sirloin steak, it's going to be like $14 a steak. At least, yeah. And I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah. Like we are so spoiled. We've got two giant deep freezers with moose meat and elk meat and deer meat and bear meat. And, um, it costs money. I was going to say, it's probably more expensive if you and split you know it what? up, but like I've talked to like Dave, he's like, man, you're so lucky you get all this meat and you don't have to pay for it. Like, you know what? We do pay for Reality it. is I'm probably paying more, do- more money per pound. Um, you but know, it's way more than, fun. But it's way, way, way more fun. And it's way better meat. In my opinion. Way more fun. I'll go hunt an animal. If someone wants meat and they can't afford meat, I'll go shoot a deer and I'll donate them the meat. You yep. know what I mean? Just because I love hunting. I yep. love hunting. Yep. But we are so lucky that we get all this super high nutrient dense meat. Um, and so that's just what we do. Like since Jackson was born, especially since Rhett was born a year and a half ago, we just eat wild game meat. We don't eat store-bought meat. And um, wild game meat, like it's nutrient dense and it just has that f- such a strong flavor to it, right? And um, it is a flavor that you got to... You got to, uh, what the fuck is the word? Get used to it. You got to get used to it. Yeah, you got to get used to it. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had these store-bought steaks, and, and they weren't bad. Like, they were super tender was the big thing, very tender. Um, but they were sort of blah, you know, they didn't have yeah. that, that nice taste that we're used to. And so the big thing with us, like, 
Jackson used to be used to be a little picky with steak, and we just you know we have steak probably once or twice every week, and he's at the point now where he enjoys the steak because he he likes it, and so he caught his walleye last night. And so that's what we cook today. And typically, you know, he's he's a kid, right? They don't like to venture far. He's had fish before, but it's usually a fight. But he knew he caught this fish, and so it meant something to yeah. him. So he was proud to eat it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's and just... And it tastes that much better, it too. It tastes that much better. And like I said yeah. earlier, um, you know, with the burbot, I... So I harvested that fish, and so I was proud to eat it. I wanted to eat it, whether I was disappointed in the taste or whatever... Um, it's always going to taste better and you're going to have that, you know, you're going to feel proud to eat that animal that you harvested and you took. So that's just, you know, something that's deep inside every single one of us. Um, but yeah, man, we eat wild game meat. Like I, if I don't have a red meat five days a week, I get mentally fucking depressed. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing with my fucking life? We have all this meat. I have to make it a priority to consume at least, uh, a staple five days a week of red meat. Yeah, and I look at it like uh, if I'm going to harvest something this fall, I damn well make, better make sure my freezer's empty. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, we don't even think about buying meat because we, you know, we still got half a freezer full of meat. Yeah. And, so- and we do get down to it because we eat it five, six days a week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just. So do you give a lot? Like I, we were talking about it earlier. Like I have a lot of meat, so I give a lot of it away because I have a lot of friends who can't hunt, they don't hunt or whatever. Um, and they almost rely on me like for their meat because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I see them, I'll fill them up with two coolers of meat. They'll take it and they're good for a month or two. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's, we, I give a lot of meat away just because we can't eat enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um do you do you guys usually consume it all or what because you got two bears and a few deer and uh Uh, the bears usually get ate up pretty fast um the deer usually the deer sort of it's always sort of been just like a family thing of mine where you know we always everybody always gets a few deer so usually we have like a little butcher party and then it just sort of gets separated all at, you know when it's all done and packaged yeah so yeah my my you know my parents and my brother they get a lot of of the deer meat because they don't they definitely don't hunt as much as i do um you know i almost always get at least two deer a year mm-hmm. um for meat whether they're you know whether it's a nice buck or not it's for meat yeah um if not three deer which is i always try and fill my three deer tra- tags because um you know in the last few years i haven't killed an elk or a moose or anything yeah. like that so yeah, that way, you know, my family gets a lot of the meat, but uh, the bears get ate up super fast because I like my bear meat. And uh, yeah, you love bear meat, man. Yeah, I like I it too. <laughs> I I like it. Usually, what we do is we'll keep a few quarters, um, you know, make some of it into get some roast off of it, and then make like pepperoni or smokies or something. So, what are you doing? Are you are you cooking this bear meat just like you you would with any other beef recipe, or do you have any oh yeah go to yeah like, like dishes for bear? Uh, we, uh, well, we got, we took, well, of those two bears this spring, we got a bunch of roasts or hams or whatever yeah. you want to call them. And, and so what we have been doing is, uh, Katie got this 
fancy pressure cooker thing that I don't know how it what it's called or how it works, but it's uh I think it's called a, a ninja thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it's a pressure cooker, steamer, crock pot, it's all this yeah. crazy shit. And it's got all these different lids and fancy whatever. Is that one of those like it's not a it's like the opposite of a slow cooker. It's like a fast it's cooker. It's a fat it's called a fat it's called yeah, it's it's a fast cooker. <laughs> that shows how much you and I know about That's this right. fucking I shit. use it, but I'm more about putting the spices and the brine and okay, all that yeah. stuff and then I just I look, we have the sheet hanging on the fridge. So I just go, okay, this button, this button, this button. And then oh, it should wow. beep when I'm ready. Wow, that's so, pretty good. But yeah, that's nice because uh, like uh, today, I think Katie put the roast in at like four o'clock and it was ready or, or even five o'clock and it was ready, um, you know, by 730 and we just pressure cooked it. And uh, thing with bear meat, especially with your roast, you have to make sure you're cooking them all the way through, right? It's got to get to that 165, 170. So you got a meat thermometer in there, or how do you check that? So, no, we just cook it uh, until you can tell. I mean, it doesn't get crispy or anything in there unless you put the setting. It has everything. But, yeah, and then I just, I think it's ready. I pull it out. I stick a meat thermometer in it, make sure that it gets right up to that temperature. Okay, it's been at that temperature for a while, so we're good to go. And, yeah, slice it up and, and eat it. Um, I do like my bear steaks. I take all the back straps and, and the tenderloins too. And, uh, bear steaks, I just salt and pepper and put them on the barbecue and cook them real slow. Cause you have to cook them well done. Yeah. But as long as you're cooking, except the, the exception is the pressure cooker. But as long as you're cooking everything super slow on low heat, um, especially your bears, it's just going to like, you could eat it with a spoon and, uh, this pressure cooker though. We had the roast tonight, and I was just—I went to cut it with the big barbecue fork and yeah. a knife, and the fork just split the thing in half. Like wow. it's just melting. You know, and we we do like a, a roast, a bear roast like that in a slow cooker. Yeah. And um, I always say to guys like they're curious about bear meat. That's gonna be the most tender, well done meat you'll ever eat. Absolutely. If you cook a beef roast like that or a moose roast, well done like it's gonna that. Be leather. It's gonna be leather, right? And where bear. It's uh, going to be the so most tender, tender well done meat you'll ever eat. And bear, people always ask me, well, what does bear taste like? It tastes like whatever you cook it with. Bear always tastes like whatever you cook it, it, it with. It has, but it's got, it's got a unique flavor. Like I could, I, I feel I could serve moose and I could serve elk and a lot of people wouldn't know the difference. Like they'd be like, yeah, this is the same animal. But I could serve bear and it has a different flavor than the ungulates do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. But I think I think bears don't taste like anything. Really? And I think you just had so much. I think of it. moose, deer, and elk, they, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's a you know, that's that. But when you eat bear, it just takes on it just takes on whatever you're cooking it with. Yeah, that's true. So I like I feel like so there's have, always an underlying flavor when you, you know, you can, you can spice moose, elk, deer, you can flavor it, you know, it's going to take on flavor too, but there's yeah. always that underlying taste of like, yeah, that's, that's what that is. It's, it's a deer or it's a moose. It tastes like moose meat. Um, but with bear, I find that it's just out the window. It just tastes like really it's eh? just meat. See, I find that, see, I, I think the opposite. I like I have bear. So when it comes to actually not pepperoni and, and stuff like that, when it comes to like a steak or roast, probably a couple times a month. Yeah. For me, it's mostly moose and deer. For the most part, we're done my elk that was long gone. And uh, and so when it comes to bear, like we got a ton of pepperonis made for my last bear and whatnot. So we've got a few roasts. 
And, um, and so I have it once or twice a month, but I always find it does have um, like a unique flavor, but I'm not like, I'm not over seasoning it or, or doing a brine or anything like that. Um, so you, I'm keeping a lot of that flavor, mm-hmm. um, but I like it. It's got a unique flavor. And that's what I like about these wild game meats. They all taste a little bit different. Yeah. So it's not like you go to the store and, and every time you buy red meat, it's going to taste the exact same Or you can now you can have, you know, you have your bear, you have your moose, your deer, your elk, and, and those ungulates are all going to be a lot similar. Um, but bear, it has a unique flavor I find. And, um, and you know what? Some people, some people catch on to it. I've found, I've had them over, and they're like, "Oh, what the hell is this?" Or some guys will do a roast. Like I had my grandparents over. I think we had a roast like four or five years ago, and uh, they couldn't believe that it was bear because it was mm-hmm. so tender and so good, yeah. right? Um, and but, I've had uh, bad bear meat, and uh, you know, you can have any, you can have bad any meat. Yeah. Um, you know, Katie cooked a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we cooked a uh, stir fry, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago yeah. with bear meat. And so we just took um, what we chopped up with steak as we labeled it steak meat. And so it must have just been like the trimmings of a roast. And so we just chopped it up into little slices or cubes. And I don't know if it's just the way we cooked it, if it was because we, we did a stir fry and it was sort of fried pretty quickly, or if it was just the cut. But you could not, you could not eat. A piece of that meat. Oh, really? Like you'd be. Like, what was it? it was bear? if it was still in my mouth, I'd be chewing on it today. And it was bear. Oh, so so we we do we've done bear stir fries quite a bit. That's one of our go to as yeah. well. And I find with the stir fries because you're slicing that meat right, and it's so easy to overcook it. And well, that's what it is. That's what I'm saying, right? Is that whether it's too fast? Yeah. Or too fast and then too long? Yeah. But yeah, you just be you'll be chewing no, on it for I've, days. I've been there before. Yeah. And that's what's nice about doing elk, moose, or deer stir fries is because you can what actually what I do now with the stir fries is I will actually I'll actually make a roast and then I'll so I'll make that roast medium rare and then I'll slice that roast and then we'll have like our rice and we'll have our, our vegetables with our teriyaki and then you put that sliced meat over top of that mm-hmm. rather so you don't than cooking it, it in yeah, yeah, yeah. or you or you put the meat on top and then you pour your teriyaki sauce over top of that because that's an issue that I, you know, like I said, I'm not a good fucking cook. So I was overcooking that meat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then bear meat a lot of times too, you're telling yourself, I got to cook this stuff till it's well done and it's thin, it's cut thin already. And uh, so you fucking overcooked yeah, the shit well out of it. Yeah, it's probably well done a long time ago. Right? Yeah. And I do the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, um, the nice thing about ungulates is you don't have to, like, I love meat, medium rare, oh, but me too. W- like closer to rare. Yeah, rare is the best. Doubt. Yeah. If it's a good chunk of meat. You know, and, and I will, like, if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to order rare, but I actually stop because I would get it sometimes and the steak would be almost cold. Yeah, I always order medium rare at a restaurant just for the safe because no, a lot yeah. of times you don't get a good like, steak. If you're getting a, like, a, whether that steak's rare or medium rare, it should be it should be hot. Yeah. Like, it should be hot, yeah. right? Like, I can cook a rare steak at home and it is, it is piping hot. Um, but uh, like half the times I'd order a rare steak, it'd come and it'd be like cool. And, and that's just, just that's fucking, you can't eat that. It's that's exactly off. the problem that I had too. So I just play it safe at a restaurant, order medium rare because yeah. you're either going to get medium, which is okay. Well, whatever, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Or you're going to get rare, an actual rare steak, which is perfect. Yeah. Right. Um, but when it comes to, you know, cooking at home, just a fat moose steak or a fat deer steak, 
seared real quick so that it's just it's just hot in the middle. Yeah. But still nice and juicy so you and pan red. Frying it then? Oh no, or barbecue, barbecue yeah. or whatever, whatever I decide. But yeah, I I try and use the like when it comes to steak, I'll use the barbecue as long yeah, I as I use can the barbecue, until yeah. I'm got three feet of snow to walk outside. And oh, I still frying. barbecue a minus forty. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. There's been a few times we'd had to shut her down because the it just wasn't cooking. It yeah. was too cold. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like the barbecue. For do you sure. have a smoker? Do you use that? Often? I don't have a smoker. Have a smoker yeah. no. My old man smokes. He makes jerky all every year, but oh, okay. uh, I've never, I've never experimented with with his smoker for anything. Yeah, so we, I don't use a smoker often, just because I got to be there for at least an hour. Yeah, you know, to get anything cooked or two hours. So, uh, but occasionally we do. The odd weekend, I'll I'll put steaks in the smoker, and and they're just phenomenal, or a roast or something like that. But. Um, yeah, we're having moose steaks tomorrow for supper. So all this steak talk, I'm looking forward to that now. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you you guys do all your own butchering and whatnot. Yeah. And when we were at Bear Camp, you had pre-pressed and packaged burgers, was it? Yep. So how do you guys do? You guys, you ground your meat right up then and there, and then you pre-package individual burgers, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, what I did... Um... What we did was when we did our big, you know, our, our little butcher party or whatever, yeah. uh, we just had, you know, my mom just took a bunch of uh, the ground meat when we had a big tub full. She took it inside and she made a, a nice mixture with it and wow. pressed patties. And then I and love then, that idea. That's And great. then froze them, you know, froze them in packs of six or eight. Yeah. So that, you know, we could take them to outfitting camp. Yeah. That, that's exactly why we did them that way is for outfitting camp. Yeah. Um, so that, you you know, you can still have them in a cooler and then you're not, you know, you're not slamming 10 burgers on the table and having to defrost half of them yeah. to cook them. Right. Yeah. So you just take out what you need and, and they're moose or elk or deer. And nice. there's, you know, there's just, I don't believe you should eat store-bought meat in outfitting. Camp. And I was just going to ask that. That's like yeah. the sin of all sins. So, you know, a nice, maybe a nice beef steak, just like a, an expensive one though. But otherwise, um, you know, everything's going to be wild game. Nice. And that's just, that's just the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so border's still not open. You've got, what do you have left? Two rut moose tags? I have three rut moose tags and two spot and stock black bear available for this fall. And those are for sale? They're still for sale. Yeah. They're, they're right at this point in time. They're Canadian resident only. Canadian resident only. It can't be an Alberta resident. As of right now, the Alberta Outfitting Association has not given the go-ahead to allow outfitters to sell their allocations to Alberta residents. Okay. So it has to be, has to be uh, an out-of-province Canadian resident. Okay. Um, now, okay, I see. If someone draws a tag for this zone, they can hire me like as a say, guide. Say John Doe is an Alberta resident. He wants to go on Alberta hunt. He wants to hunt with you. Can he? Well, I guess the draw is already done, so he can't do that. So if you if you say, okay, so is it undersubscribed this year at all? Do you know? I'm not sure. Not too sure. Um. So what would what happens uh, if somebody wants to hire a guide? Does if they like they can draw the tag or in a general archery tag? Yeah, you can hire anybody to guide. Yeah. Okay. So as long as the only um, the only stipulation is just. Uh, you have to be licensed to be able to be paid. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's just like the hunter hosting. You're not allowed to accept payment to host somebody. No. Because you're not, you don't have the insurance. You don't have the business behind 
to facilitate an actual hunt. Right? Yeah. So as a host, it's just like, hey, you're my buddy. Let's go together. We're going to go hunting. Where outfitting, you can you can purchase the service of a wall tent camp, transportation in a hunting area, um, equipment rental, and you can do that all through me, even if you just drew, but you have to have drawn the tag on your or own. If or if they had, the didn't draw counter. a tag, they can buy an over-the-counter general archery tag. That's right. Okay, so if you're an Alberta resident and you can buy a general archery tag, they can come up hunting with you in the archery season that runs until... They can ask me to guide in any area in the province. In any area, okay. Absolutely any area. Because if you're an Alberta resident, yeah. all you're purchasing from, say, me yeah. or any other outfitter is the guide service. Okay, yes. So the only thing that allows me to do that is that I have insurance and a business that proves that I can contract you or you can contract me to guide you yeah. without using an allocation. Ideally, though... You sort of want guys in this area because you know the area. Because There's it's my some area. big bulls in that area That's and a correct. lot of moose in that area. That's right. Um, so now Canadian residents, guys who are looking for a last-minute hunt, um, are you willing to talk about pricing or any deals or anything oh, going absolutely. on right now for I Canadian have, residents? I have, um, there's um, what I'm calling my COVID summer specials. Okay. For these last two or three For days. these last five hunts. So oh, I have you, three moose yeah. and two black bear spots. And so, you know, there's... Uh, they're all in Canadian funds. It's all been transferred over. Um, if, you know, anybody wants to get a hold of me to talk about that, it's all negotiable because at this point, um, I just want to go hunting. Yeah. And uh, everybody else does too. So this is a great opportunity. You know, if there's something you can't necessarily afford on a regular year or something you just maybe, um, you know, you want to take a chance on this year and just go have yeah so the late season, kill a big moose your late season hunts are sold already right so now your right hunts which are the the that's when you want to go hunt these moose that's the grand slam those are the ones that are you're going to get a wicked deal on that's right so yeah so right now i have uh three november hunts that are sold uh they're pending border opening right yeah. So those, you know, depending on the year, they could open up later in the year if they we if we know that the border is not going to be open. Hopefully it is by then, and then we proceed as normal. Um, but like you said, these three rut hunts, especially for moose, if, if you want to kill a, a good moose or you want to have, if you just want to have a great moose hunting experience, the rut is the time to do Man, it. Man, if you've never experienced a bull come in, rawr, rawr. Yeah. And you can hear that thing from 100 yards away. Or miles. Or miles away. <laughs> yeah. We were hunting elk, and so we heard this, rah, rah. and then we heard raking on the trees. And so we started going in a little closer, and, and we must have covered, geez, 80, 100 yards to get to this point, and we could hear him. So I let out a few grunts, and then he comes barreling right in. And we've got video of this. He came to 17 yards of us, just stopped, looked at us and he's breathing and huffing and puffing. It was early morning, steam coming out of his nose and a nice size bull too. And I had arrowed my bull two weeks earlier, so we didn't have an archery tag. Mm -hmm. um, but man, just freaking unreal. There's, there's nothing unreal. like, yeah, there's nothing like playing with, with big moose, especially no. in the rut. And, uh, you know, if you hit it right, right in that perfect time, that perfect three or four week period where they're just going hard. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. It's action packed. Um, you know, it's long days of hunting, but it's just so much fun. Oh man, it's awesome. And, and you know, the weather's great cause it's freezing at night. So there's yeah. not really bugs in the middle of the day or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, just calling moose and, 
and just and talk so you to know how to guys. talk to the moose where me i i know like i know a few of the grunts but i i don't know what they're saying or i can't really tell the difference between a cow and a bull i can't not yeah, yeah. not like you can yeah, right yeah, yeah so hiring someone like you who knows what they've do or what they're doing who's called in you know hundreds of moose and you know being on several successful moose hunts with americans and guys all over the place um yeah this is the year to go man this oh yeah and, and you know what if you're looking for just a fantastic vacation experience yeah and, and and hunting is your thing um just come coming to stay out in a wall tent camp uh you know a full service camp where everything's taken care of you don't have to worry about driving out there you don't have to worry about driving around um you don't have to worry about ever going hungry you know it's always good food you can you can attest to that yeah without and, a doubt uh, you know it's comfortable camp everything's clean it's a good time even that wall tent it is so comfortable in there oh, it is and the those best. cots and when you get the the wood stove burning and oh man it's something else it's uh yeah i could live in i could live in tent camp all year long yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's just you know it's my opinion of paradise yeah is moose camp you know you you get up in the morning it's frosty it's cold you're shivering a little bit but you know by noon it's gonna be you know a nice sunny day yeah and uh yeah you're wandering out in the swamp and you're just waiting for a big stinky bull to come running out oh, at man, you. That's it's, awesome. It's, it's so much fun. Right on. And so you were uh, you were just out there not long ago doing some scouting, and uh, you know you found some good areas, found where the bulls are, found some really nice sheds. You got a matching set. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I found some actual some monstrosity sheds. Yeah. Yeah. In in a in a new area that uh, yeah that I like I said we went out in the spring and scouted it and yeah. and there's just there's just moose everywhere yeah and uh yes i couldn't be more happy to see that like i said i had never been up in that particular area before so to go there and uh and just find you know find some of those sheds that are just that one shed is absolutely and you know when you went is the perfect time to go scouting like if i think we talked about it on a couple podcasts or go like the the ideal time to go and and scout is when there's a little bit of snow on the ground, there's no vegetation growing because you can see where those animals are traveling yep. right now. And you can get around. Yeah, right now you can't. Like nope. you just, and you can't tell where they're going. Where when you have snow and when you have no vegetation, you can tell where they're walking and how beaten down that trail is. And so, uh, yeah, you guys got got strides ahead heading out in that early uh, early season trip. So you know it'd be great if you could fill a few of these these rut hunts. And but uh, you know nonetheless you got those those late uh, late season ones. I hope they open up the border. I'm sure they will by then. Like, oh, I would hope so. You know, I, I thought uh, you know even even the outfitting association you know they presumed August would be yeah, sort of the final honestly. straw. Um, but uh, I know all these sheep hunters. All these uh, early season outfitters are really taking a huge yeah. kick in the nuts right now, and uh, you know the the, the association is trying to support us, but ultimately it's up to the government. Oh yeah, their hands are tied. They and of much. course, we all know how the government in this country works. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's just it is what it is, and uh, you know, keep on keeping on. I got a moose draw of my own this year. Oh, so you got a tag too. Nonetheless, I'll be I'll nice. be chasing bulls. So right on, man. That's good. Yeah. Um. And then you got the bear hunt. Yeah, that's so the right. Bear hunts a bit more of an affordable hunt. Um, well, a little cheaper than that one. Like yes. The moose is going to be as affordable as you can get when it comes to an Alberta moose hunt. You that's aren't right. going to get a better deal than you will this year. That's right. Um, 
but the bear see the bear hunt this is the same zone that you got your blonde and chocolate bear in right yeah nice yeah and there's this is a spot and stock only zone so it, it, it is bordered um by some baiting zones but of course you know there's some good landmarks in between and then it's a huge area and there's just there's just bears absolutely everywhere the spot and stock is so much fun man. and and spot and stocking bears um i would almost argue to the death that you're gonna see well i would argue to the death that you're gonna see way more bears you're oh, gonna yeah. see way a high, way higher number of different bears and you're gonna have a better chance at killing a real trophy bear spot and stock that rather than over a bait. Yeah, so your spot and stock areas aren't getting pressured like the baiting areas. Um, and you are going, like you said, you're going to see a ton more bears, right? Um, baiting is great, especially like if we're filming a TV show. I, I like or the if baiting because you're targeting I can, a certain bear. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see, you might see three or four bears in the day and you might have bear action in front of you for 10 hours. But if you want something real special, chances are you might not have it on the camera. It's more than likely not going to come through. But if you spot and stock, like what you did when we were at bear camp, you went and tried a new new area, and you got a double header, a blonde and a dark chocolate. Right. So and you never know what's going to be around the next corner. And it or comes down to just line. just covering ground. Yeah. Um. You know, you you can't you can't really call bears. You can't really do anything but cover ground and look for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock baiting because I do it and I oh, love no. it. Yeah. And it definitely is the best way to kill a target bear. Baiting. Baiting. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. It's the best way. It's the most controlled situation. Um, but at the end of the day, you only have control over the bears that are coming. That are bait. at the bait. Yeah. That's right. So that's why spot and stalk for me is more of a go-to. I've, I don't think I've, I've killed a bear at the bait. But not necessarily overbait. Like I wasn't sitting there when it happened. Yeah, was, now that I think of it, like, yeah, you've killed more bears spot and stock. And I've this never, year, your goal was still to kill a bear with the bow spot and stock because yeah. you love spot and stock hunting so yeah, much. Yeah, I've never actually let me think. I've never actually myself in my hand killed a bear at a bait. Okay. And I've baited every year I've hunted. Yeah, it's fun, though, baiting bears. I love it, yeah. and I'm going to do it every year. And just seeing what's on the camera. But I'd much rather take a guy like you and sit there with you yeah. and say, this bear might come in. Well, that's the guide blood in you, though. That's what it is. <laughs> Where, you know, for me, um, I really like to just be alone and sort of just doing my own thing. Yeah. And, and like bears are, I'm just out there. I'm just spending my time. I'm just letting the day sort of roll on. Yeah. And that's just that's just what the bear hunting is, um, you know. You just you just walk around, you just cover ground, you just sort of enjoy being out. And if yeah. it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And I'm gonna be 100% honest here. So spring bear season is one of my favorite times of year. But if you want a quality furred bear and a big fat bear. Mm -hmm. You have to get them in the fall. Absolutely, and the meat is probably going to be a little bit better. The in The meat fall. is going well in a spot and stock zone. The meat's almost always going to be yeah, better because those berries, especially in the fall, because they're eating a ton of berries. Berries. That's if what you've I was ever eaten say. a blueberry bear, if you haven't, this is your chance to get that's one. That's right. Um, but so your spring bears, they're they're thick fur. They got that real thick under under fluff, um, but they're going to be patchy. They might be rubbed. 
and you're taking a bit of a chance the later you get in the season. But once you get into the fall season, they don't have that under fluff, but they're consistently furred throughout the whole bear. Exactly. Yeah. And they are going to be fatter. They're going to have a lot more fat on them. And, you know, if you want a bear with his bellies down near sagging to the ground, you're going to get him in the fall. You aren't going to get him in the spring. But, um, yeah, I've got a few fall bears and, uh, and they, they are just beautiful. They really are. So oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and just, you know, you're out, you're spotting stalking, you know, for us as residents, we're always got a, f- a couple tags in our pocket in the fall. I know I've killed, I killed one fall bear too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so much fun to be out and, and to have a bear tag in your pocket, um, to do it spot and stock, you know, through an outfitter, it's just so much fun. You, you, yeah. You're really concentrating on bears. You're covering all this ground. You're, you're seeing lots. Um, you're almost guaranteed you're going to run into several bears. Yeah. If not several bears a day. And so is this, this zone, are you allowed one bear or are you allowed it's a two bear area? So if someone, okay. So, so they, if you buy a hunt with me, yeah. you automatically get two bears. There's no trophy fee. There's you no additional two bears. fee. So you get two bears. There's no trophy fee. On the first bear, there's no trophy fee. On the second bear, there's no skinning fees. There's no so extra what's charge. what's charge for the second bear? Nothing. Nothing. Not from me. Not a single thing. Holy smokes. That's pretty darn good. The government allows you to buy a second bear tag yeah. as a supplemental with your first. Okay. So it's up to you. If you want to spend that extra, whatever it is, I think it's, you know, for a non-resident, it might be 40 or 50 uh, so bucks yeah, for an extra yeah. peanuts compared to what you know, other outfitters do charge, and I'm not going to knock them because they have their own way of doing things. Yep. But in my my point of view, if the government is going to allow you to take two bears, that area definitely needs the two bears taken out of it, yeah. and I can attest to that. So I'm not going to charge you anything to take that second bear. And what I always tell guys is, when you're coming up, um, have a goal in mind. Whether you want a color bear, whether you want to, you know, maybe you want an 18-inch skull or a 20-inch skull. Um, Maybe you want a big black bear with a white patch. Have an idea, but kill the first bear you're happy to put your sights on. Yeah. Do that. Don't argue. You know, just think about that. Kill the first bear that you're happy to put your sights on. Kill a, kill a respectable bear that you know you're going to be proud of at first. That's right. Yeah. And then we'll spend the rest of the time chasing your trophy target. Because you've got two bears. Because you get two bears. That is too cool, man. And so nice thing is too. So this, these, uh, these allocations are for well anyone other than an Alberta resident, but an Alberta resident with a general bear tag again can buy your service and you can take them out on this hunt. Yep. And on it's a absolutely fully serviced, outfitted hunt. They just provide the tags, basically. And, and it's absolutely going to be uh, a different price for that service because it's a totally de- separate thing. Okay. So if, if you're interested, uh, you know, maybe you drew a moose tag somewhere, you're not really sure, never been moose hunting before. Um, I am going to have some free time this fall. So if you want to uh, inquire about what it might cost uh, for me to facilitate, put up your camp, do your cooking, buy your groceries, um, transport you in my vehicles, my ATVs, whatever we need to do. Um, you can even rent a weapon from me if you need. Um, all that stuff can be covered. And uh, yeah, that's just part of the game, right? Nice. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm pumped up just hearing all this. It's lots of fun. That's awesome, it's, it's man. my version of paradise. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so bear, when does that bear season run from? When does it start and when does it end? So the moose and the bear both start August 25th. For archery. For archery. 
that means you know you have to kill him with a bow um and so this zone it is i did mention earlier it is a general bull archery tag that's right so if you're an alberta resident and if you didn't get drawn for a bull tag you can go and buy an over-the-counter archery bull tag so you can kill a bull on a general archery tag in this zone. Yep. And they can buy your service. They can ask me to come call yeah. it in for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you get that first. I think it's only six days. Um, my later season, I have a I have a bow, an actual bow season where I get, I don't know what it is, 25, 25 days of, of actual bow season. Okay. But those so are the, sorry, those are the same... Those are the same allocations I've already sold for November. Okay, okay. So let's, sorry. When does this archery season end? It starts on the 25th? Starts on the 25th. I think this one only goes to like the first. Okay. So it's a so very it's a short week. one. They got yeah. a little less than a week. Yeah. Okay. And then the general season, which is uh, September So ideally, 1st. you'd want your hunters there the day before the season starts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're there for the six days to hunt those six days. You want to, you got to be up that morning of the, yeah. whenever 25 the first day is. 25 is go time. Yeah. Yeah. And I killed a velvet bull in the twenty six last right. year, and that I, I that bull, I, that bull came into my grunts, yeah. and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So that so what had happened is the cow was coming down a trail beside me, like fifty yards away, farther than I could shoot, and so I made a few grunts, made a few of those grunts, and then she sort of veered off to me, and she came almost right under my stand, and she was looking around. And that bull, he just followed her right in. Mm -hmm. Just fucking perfect. Perfect. And he grunted. You can hear him grunting yeah. coming in at me. And this is August 26th. Yeah. So you aren't in the so-called rut yet, but those bears or those moose still have that rut mentality occasionally. Oh, that's, they're ready to go. They're ready to go, they're yeah. Ready to go. So this isn't too early. You can still no. get into that calling action early that's on in right. the season. As soon as, as soon as the government says go... It's go time. Yeah. And, and you know, it's we're finding moose. Nice. They're looking. Okay, so September 1st, you think is when that rifle season opened? No, it so. definitely opens the 1st. It okay. goes all the way to October 31st. So it's a whole two-month period for now, that for that moose. Okay. So if you're going to if you're going to do moose, whether you're going to come do it with me or you're going to do it yourself, what I suggest is that the, either the last two weeks of September or the first two weeks of October... And that's when you're you're either going to be a little early, you're going to be a little late, or you're going to hit it right on. But that sort of four weeks is when the moose are almost always like really hot and heavy. Yeah. And it sort of seems to vary depending on, you know, what, what whatever it is, whether it's the weather, if it's the moon, if it's, you know, earlier week here this year, earlier week next year. But those four weeks, you're going to find stinky bulls that are ready to go. So you've got a month to pick of. That's going to be prime time moose hunting. What I consider real prime time. Yeah. Now I am not. I have no wavering confidence. If you want to start August twenty fifth, or if you want to start hunting well, like the last I said, three man, days of October, you're, you, there's a good possibility you're going to have a grunt and bull coming yeah. in at you on the second day of the season, our first day of the season. Yeah. And I always say, man, those first three days of the season your chances of killing something are very good because those critters haven't seen anybody for a year. No pressure. And so I personally, I always take the first three days of the season off to sit in a stand because um, I know those deer are still in their, their summer patterns. Those moose are still in their summer patterns. And that's your best chance of having them walking down that same trail. They have been all summer long. Mm -hmm. um, but once you sit in that stand for a week or once you have a few guys quad down the trails or once they hear a few guns go off, then... 
they start to change their ways, right? That's so right. getting out there early, I think, is is a good move. Um, but you know, once you get into that prime rut, whether it's deer, elk, or moose, um, it's uh, it's something special. Balls to the wall. Yeah, it's something special, man. So yeah. right, and then bear season. So bear season starts on the twenty sixth. Um, for archery first opens up for rifle and it runs till the end of October. Is it? It does. Yeah. I think, okay. I believe two years ago, it used to go all the way to the end of November, it but, did. but they, they just cut it. that off now. And, uh, I think one year, actually the fall bear I killed, I even, I think I even killed it in November. I think that was one of the last years that they it had was the late one of the season last years. and it was snowing. You had a foot of snow and yeah, you I killed, killed the bear. A, I couldn't believe I it. I killed in a blizzard. Yeah. yeah. And, and that storm. bear must've been, I can't remember, but it was really well for a day. Oh, it was absolutely. It had to have been. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I actually passed up on a little, a little colored bear that, oh, did you? that morning. Yeah. Cause this wow. was a target bear. This is a, uh, a trouble bear, a camp bear. Oh, okay. It was coming into our moose camp and. And so, yeah, we hadn't seen him for a few days, but I had a day off because we had just whacked a moose. So nice. I was sitting there having a coffee with the boss, and sure enough, this uh, <laughs> this big American guy comes running over from the meat pole, and uh, we just look out the window, and oh, the bear must be here. There's this big 300-pound dude running, running across the, the camp field, and so I walk out with my rifle, and sure enough, the bear had just gone down over the hill and just leaned up on a tree and 100 yards, knocked him down. That was a good-sized bear. And it was a really, really, really good bear. Yeah. Really what did good he bear. measure? What did his skull go? I don't think I ever measured that skull. No. I cleaned it up and everything, but I don't think I ever measured yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not... I'm, even those bears I killed this spring, I'm like, oh, I should get those out of the freezer. Man, but. I'm always so curious. No, the number I, just I doesn't know, matter I, to me. No, the number doesn't matter, but I want to know everything. I want to know how old that animal is. I want yeah. to know how big a skull is. Yeah. I want to... You know, I'm so curious about all the details of, of those animals, right? Um, and even the age. I think I want to start yanking teeth and getting my... You know, whether it's a deer, elk, moose, bear, getting them age because it's yeah. just neat to know that sort of stuff right so um actually i think the zone that you have your tags in for bears is an optional tooth um premolar it is yeah fish we, and wildlife. we were talking about that so if you yank their premolars bring them to fish and wildlife told them you kill them in that zone they'll get them aged mm -hmm. and uh, that's always neat to know yeah absolutely yeah so Right on, man. Well, that's good. That's good. Hopefully, uh, we can have some new hunters up, some non-typical nation fans. Yeah. Good time to do it, man. Good time to do it. There's no summer, no summer like this one for uh, for tourism or outfitted hunts. And you know, um, to support the industry doesn't have to be me, but there are plenty of guys in this province. There are plenty of guys all over our country uh, that have hunts available. Yeah. If you've ever thought of purchasing a guided hunt. An outfitted hunt this is the time to do especially, it especially um you know if you got a little bit of money put away and you're looking to do something with your life yeah um you know there's a few guys in bc that have goats for sale still big moose uh yukon moose sheep um there's a lot of really big ticket animals that are half price or lower right now and you're just not gonna find that probably ever again so yeah. if, if you're gonna take a chance take it this year yeah um because you might die from corona. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You heard it from the man himself. Right on, right on. Well, awesome. We will uh, we'll do another podcast in another week or so, and I think we're going to go over some trophy care in that one. 
talk yep. about what guys what you want to do once you get that deer that moose that elk that even that bear down especially um, in this in this early season that in the first hot week weather. of archery yeah. yeah and uh yeah we, we should talk a little bit about uh if i get a sheep down what i might do with yeah, that stuff will. when i'm uh four or five days back and same with uh you know we talked a little bit about meat cooking and uh, the fact that your meat couldn't go bad anywhere from field to table so we can talk about a few things there too that uh, maybe your next yeah that'll be a fun one. Your next chunk of meat, meat might, and everything else might taste a little bit better with a few of our tips. Yeah, so. yeah, without a doubt. Okay, awesome guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it big time. And remember, if you've ever thought of a guided hunt, this is the year to do it. Check out Primal Adventures Outfitting and Guide Service.